I have 148 ounces of Dove for Men body wash in 2.2 ounce sample size bottles. I'm set for soap for quite some time. Irish Spring, motherfucker. Scott, and I'm joined today by two fine gentlemen who will introduce themselves. I'm Jeff. I'm here all the time. You know who I am. And I am Jared. You may know me on YouTube as Timber Newtype, or on our own show, our Gunplus-centric show, ShelfLife.tk. Yeah. I, I keep trying, I keep reminding myself to listen to that more often, and then I'm like, what's the, U- what's the URL? And then I Google it, and I'm like, oh, right. Shelf Life is a very popular name for things. Yeah. It's okay, though. No one has to listen. It's just for our own benefit. It entertains us. Well, if, if, if you go into it with any other attitude but that, then you really are messed up as a podcaster. <laughs> Some people seem to think this will get them famous. They're, they're crazy people. Nobody yeah. ever got famous via podcast. Although, apparently, we are, we're big in Germany now. For our listeners who didn't see it, repeat the uh, phrase that most led people to the I thought they spelled bad on the outside website. Oh no, this this is just one person, but I have the Google Analytics, so if it hap- so the day it happens I can usually catch it. But the tweet uh the search was uh lesbians smell foot doom. That was that was the search term that got us to and the somehow that got us us, huh? Yeah. Like it got the feed page, so I'm pretty sure the words lesbian, smell, foot, and doom have all been in there at some point. There you go, that's your audience. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what foot doom is. Foot doom. Sure isn't that foot dom, which would be quite more horrifying, but still. (laughs) Google is not helping me find out what foot doom is. But apparently, uh, but the best Google figure, it apparently has something to do with Dr. Doom. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Uh, the things we learn on this show. The things we learn. Uh, so, but, shall we move on to pick of the week? Yes, pick of the week. You get to go first, Scott. Dang it. You transitioned. That means you get to pick. You learned the rule. <laughs> now I'm stuck going first all the time. But my pick is going to um, Paul and Storm. They're a comedy folk act. They do a lot of touring with uh, Mr. Jonathan Colton. And today they released their newest song, Right Like the Wind, George. 
in which they um, remind George that he is really effing slow at writing books. And there's a whole verse about how long it's taken certain authors to finish their epic masterpiece sagas. Just saying. <laughs> it has an amusing music video. Write the damn book, George. Okay, Jeff, you can go. I am going to go with a Nintendo 3DS game. I bought it a while ago, and I finally just got started playing it this week. Uh, Tales of the Abyss 3DS. This is a, pretty much a report of the PS2 game back in the day. They have upgraded it a little bit, a little bit better graphics, a couple of new animated scenes. Obviously, it's all in 3D because it's on the 3DS, but I was worried, how well will this work on a small screen? Works great. I don't play a lot of JRPGs, but I play the Tales series. It's the one series I enjoy. Tales of the Abyss was one of the best. Having it ported to the 3DS, all the better. If you want a good JRPG on the 3DS, and there ain't a whole lot, Tales of the Abyss. There you go. My pick of the week is going to be food, as I mentioned before, and it is the Burger King Sweet Potato Fries. Burger King revamped their whole menu, and while normally that doesn't get me that excited... I did try the sweet potato fries, and they are amazing. Did you get the bacon sundae to go with that? I didn't. I didn't see that until I was going past the window. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to step in. Bacon sundae? It yeah. is chocolate and caramel sauce uh-huh. with bacon bits uh-huh. and one stick of bacon sticking straight up out of it. I'm going to die when I eat that, ain't I? Because I am going to have to eat that now because that sounded damn good. But it sounded like a one-way trip to a heart attack. Like everything else at Burger King. <laughs> I'm trying to decide is if this is a sign of the end for Burger King or just a new beginning. It's the end for a bunch of people, probably not for Burger King. <laughs> just really, you can just stick any bacon on anything. It's I'm surprised a fast food giant has taken this long to figure out you could add it to desserts. Everything is better with bacon. Everything. Especially lesbian foot doom. Whatever that is. <laughs> but guess what? It's better with bacon. And uh, business-wise, we're still running that contest. Um, draw us what you think a doom zeppelin with spinning rims would look like and post it on our Facebook. A winner will be randomly given $5. Or something out of the bag of mystery. Take the $5. You don't even know what's in the bag of mystery. I do know that you probably leave it on someone's porch after you light it on fire. <laughs> then you knock the door. No, the bag of mystery is just a bunch of crap that I couldn't sell at a flea market. Oh, well, yeah, no one would want to buy that at a flea market anyway. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> waka waka. Okay, so, things in the show and the topic. What are we talking about? Code Geese, a mech show, as is... Fits our summer of mech shows. This is this being the theme that we have. I'll start off with this. I love Clamp's artwork. I love the way they have designed. But can I just say this? For most of the male characters, Suzaku in particular, every time I saw him, I wanted to buy him a sandwich. It's like, dude, if you pointed your arms straight up, I could use you as a javelin. Eat something. On the converse side... All the girls are they're physically impossible to stand because they're so friggin' thin and their chests are so friggin' huge. By the laws of physics, they should be tripping over themselves at all times. 
Hey, now, that wasn't until season two when everyone went up a cup size mysteriously. Yeah, well. As this is... series upgrade. Yeah. Although, on the upside... Not just for protagonists. True. Although, on the upside, one of the best-drawn butts in the history of anime goes to Cece. Just saying. No one gonna agree with me on that one? Nothing? Mm, I don't know. It's kind of uh, particular to Valletta. Eh. There, there, was a, there was a surprising amount of attention paid to the ass on this series. I will say that. Like, I mean, the, the, the cockpits on the mechs were designed like motorcycles for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, every time she's driving that thing, is like, no, while I do appreciate the fan service, I can't imagine this being the most, you know, cost-effective and easiest way to pilot a mech. I'm just saying. That and, you know, every time she's piloting the damn thing, She's sweating like a dog. Like, seriously, super expensive mechanized robot, and we can't get some AC in there for her? Apparently not. I was always worried about their backs. Like, each pilot must have, like, a gigantic chiropractor bill because they have no support for their backs. They're just hunched over for well, hours. Have, have you seen the Top Gear episode where um, Hamster drives a Vincent Black Shadow from, like, London to yes. Scotland. Yes. Like, that is exactly how messed up these people would be. <laughs> All the time. Just absolutely no feeling below the waist and terrible back pain above that. Yes, well, the laws of physics were kind of thrown out for this. Not in the, just the design of the people, but design of what they could do. Spinzaku, anyone? Well, like, Suzaku kind of had superpowers. He did. Kind of. He wasn't quite Superman, but he, you know, he was close to Batman. No, no, there's, there's only one Batman on this show. I said close. <laughs> I said close. I mean, but in, I, I, in I guess... the manga version, there was no mechs. It was actually a battle suit, so he was friggin' Batman. One of the mangas, there were only, like, 12, apparently. Point taken. Yeah, that, this is... This was Bandai going all out. It's like, okay, we're going to assume this one's a hit and make everything we can possibly make for it. And it was a hit. It was a major league hit. Bigger hit than I think they even they expected it to be hit. Well, considering that their expectation was uh, we're going to have to cancel this about halfway through, and so we're only going to give them enough funding to do two episodes in advance. Finished. You know, keep it in this... Absolute god-awful time slot for most of the run. Not run the finale of the first season for months afterward. I don't think anyone had faith in this show. Which reminds me of another show that kind of launched like that. Mobile Gundam, anyone? Yeah. Little <laughs> bit. Saying it's following a very similar pattern. And now, what are we getting? An OVA! Amazing! But yeah, good geese. The actual story, I enjoyed. I always love the alternate history stories. Uh. Well, and that's the thing is, so much of that is too, too much of that is buried in the supplemental material. Because there's cool stuff you find out about the old history. They actually thought this through. Right, and I, you're right. I would have liked to see more in depth. One of the things that really caught my attention is they talked about code uh, CC meeting with George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. And, you know, she was part of the rebellion. 
in that alternate history, the rebellion failed miserably, but that's something I would have liked to have seen explored a little more. They can't even explain why everything runs on electricity and that the guns are magnetic. Right, well. Technology. <laughs> it's kind of weird in this time. Apparently, it had something to do with Ben Franklin. Yeah, well. Yeah. Traitor. Hey, Ben Franklin went where the pussy was at. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what he did. He was a man with a singular objective. That objective was getting laid. And he got laid quite often. He was the earliest known version of the player. I guess your opening thoughts, Jared? <laughs> uh, my thoughts on Kogias. I thought that the show was, was really strong at the beginning, and it kind of dwindled, especially at the beginning of uh, R2, the second season. I think that the the time skip there and then all the rehashed material kind of slowed it down a little bit. And then they had to make up all that time in the second half of the second season. And that kind of threw too many things at you really quickly. And I think the cast got a little too big there at the end. But all in all, I thought the whole show was very solid, especially with the, the characters. I love the, the animation of the mechs and the battles. You know, that's, that's what draws you in at first, at least for me. One of my favorite things about this show is Lelouch himself. He is, you know, I always likened him to James Moriarty. He is that guy in the background who's pl- you know, pulling all the strings, and yet he's still out front under this guise of zero, you know, running the show. So he's doing a little bit of everything, and he, you can't, you're never quite sure, is he a hero or is he an evil bastard? And the answer is yes on both counts. <laughs> Well, and I gotta say, this is the show that really solidified Jun Fukuyama as probably one of my favorite voice actors of all time. Like, he's been in a ton of stuff, but this was the show where it's just like, he kind of broke out and went crazy. And since then, he's done piles and piles of more things, and it's he, he's just a really good voice actor. I think it was... I thought it was really impressive how they took some of the... I guess you could call them tropes or, or things that you saw a lot in anime and kind of flip them on their side a little bit, especially with Lelouch being the main character as um, such a past master paptimist style um, protagonist. And I, I really enjoyed how his and Suzaku's dynamics worked as a overall theme throughout the whole series between the, you know, the methods the ends justify the means and the methods are more important. And I thought that that was something that also drew me in because it was something that I hadn't seen portrayed that way before. You saw it from the other side of the coin a lot, but not that side. I like for all Lelouch's skills, all, you know, the things he can do, he has his kryptonite and it's not, it's not Suzaku. It's Nunnally. You bring her into the fray, you put her in front of him, that's the thing, is like, no, 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 I'm not crossing that line. You know, he could very easily have just used his GS on her from the very beginning, you know, blind or not, he could have done it, and solved that problem. He chose never to do that. There's a certain line he will not cross, and that's his sister. And that comes back to bite him in the ass in season two. <laughs> He ends up 
he ends up guillesting her right right at the end to give him the the key to the play or whatever but it's it's his absolute last resort right but by then he already has his master plan in the set you know right he's like okay i know what's gonna happen now which by the way since we're coming on we're hitting this point now yes he's dead yeah no he's dead and dead. here's the very simple reason why he's dead he wanted to. <laughs> he wanted to, but more specifically, there was no way in hell Suzaku would have worked with him if he didn't die at the end. And let's assume just for a minute that maybe that crazy-ass theory of he was the guy driving the carriage is true, which means he set up his best friend Suzaku to take the fall for him. Then he killed him off, unquote, left him as zero to clean up the whole mess, and he walks away. If that is the case, he is the major league butthole we always thought he was to have made that gigantic mess of a plot of j- and destroy Japan from the ground destroy the whole world for that matter and then say okay Suzaku you take over Zero and clean this mess up you know <laughs> I'm what? gonna go chill on the wagon <laughs> like I don't like there's no way he's not dead because he, he said straight up the only goal he had was a peaceful world and he knew that if he was around peace wasn't happening so we're going to let Zero be the hero of the people one more time, and I'm just going to take one for the team. <laughs> well, that's what he had to do. He had to, say, he had to say, okay, all that great stuff that Zero did, that wasn't me. Even it was. He's like, that. I took over the role of Zero to become the king and do all this, and the only way he could do that was for Zero to come back and kill him. There's really no other way to end the show. There's no way to end the show where Lelouch lives. Like I said, is he the good guy or is he the villain? The answer is yes. <laughs> so, like the good guy, he's going to fall on his sword. Like the villain, he's going to die. <laughs> Can I also point out, except for a few exceptions, most of the secondary characters in this show I didn't really care for. I saw absolutely no point to Rolo. Okay. I was there. I saw absolutely no point to most of the knights of Britannia. They were just there for filler. Some of them barely even got a few lines in before they got axed. Like, literally, completely forgettable. Like, I can't remember their faces or names on some I of them. I remember some of their faces, but I don't remember half what they're called. The only thing I thought that was kind of cool is when, you know, Suzaku shows up, he's the Knight of Zero, which almost made me laugh. Like, oh, really? Knight of... Oh, boy. I did kind of like... I liked Anya's story, the one with the big heavy type nightmare frame like how right, the one who had her memory erased right she had to do her blog so she could remember everything that had happened to her because she was afraid of forgetting i thought she was a good character that was that was one of the more interesting ones because you'll remember her because you know you always kind of wonder everything that happened to her and then at the end everything is explained and we assume although we're never told that our buddy Orange, which is one of the weirder characters in the history of this show. Well, I love th- Jeremiah. Like, I love him, but I'm just sort of like, what would he have been had uh, New Type not sort of promoted him to supporting character status? Well, he was just some poor schmuck who happened to walk in on... And then, they, and then uh, Lelouch used him as a, as a pawn, says, Yes, you're Orange. You're my partner. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? Which, of course, everyone said assumed he was actually working with him, despite the poor guy had no idea what the hell was going on. I do love in the epilogue that 
they, they, they go what everyone's up to, and it's like, he's running <laughs> an orange farm. farm. <laughs> I mean, where else would he be? <laughs> he uh, was responsible for probably my one of my favorite scenes from the show, where he leaps out of the giant Sutherland whatever it was, into the nightmare frame, and then leaps from that into Anya. It was just so over the top that I loved it. Yeah, apparently gravity in the future has been turned off because everyone can, like, jump three miles across. It's weird. Only in season two. Yeah. Well, well, even in the beginning, Suzaku could do some amazing jumps. Well, there was sort of this implication that Suzaku was kind of more special than your average human, and then they had to rewrite the first half of the second season and didn't get to touch on half the subplots they were building. True. On the other hand, I'm okay with some of the rewrites, because you hear, you hear the stories of what they had planned for season two, and it's like, 12-year-old girl posing as zero. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, there were some screwy things, but they came up with some screwy things, too, to replace it. Yeah. Don't, don't act like some of the stuff they replaced it with was, you know, pure, you know, genius. It was kind of like, a, what? <laughs> there was a lot of times in this show where you're watching and you go, Really? Okay. Suspend your disbelief a little. That's another good example of that. Oh, the the king. The Lord King of Britannia. Yeah. First off, nice hairdo. Second off, <laughs> he is such a weird guy. I mean, he, he seemed like such a big bad villain in season one. In season two, you realize, this guy is just crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's absolutely nuts. And it turns out, no, Lelouch's mother isn't dead. She's just been body hopping this whole time. Been hanging around with Cece for season one, which is really screwy. And then she wants to end all of existence, and somehow we get that same theme of Jupiter. Can someone explain to me why Jupiter is so friggin' important? Because it's cool looking. But it shows up in every friggin' mech anime. And no one knows why. It's cool looking. We can't use Uranus? What's wrong with that one? You know why we can't use Uranus, Jeff. Uh, I'm sorry. I had to say it. Uh, it's the most juvenile joke in the book, but it's always funny. But other interesting characters. I like Can Cornelia. I just say one of, the, one of the best jaw-dropping, I did not see that coming, holy crap moments of any anime I've ever seen definitely goes to, in season one, when Luce accidentally... Gius is Yuffie, and she goes on a frigging murderous rampage. The whole time I watched that, I was like, what? What? And she's just mowing down the 11s, or the Japanese, whatever you want to call them. And the whole time I'm thinking, when do we wake up from the dream? What's going on? And well, then no, he, it's like, of course, you're this close to the happy ending. We have to wreck it all. I mean, there's wrecking it all, and then there's blowing the whole thing up. <laughs> Saying, okay, we're almost to, you know, a good place. We're almost there. And I thought, okay, someone's going to assassinate Euphemia or something. Something's going to, you know, go wrong with this you know, plan she has. The king's going to interrupt it. I never thought in a million years she'd pull out an Uzi and just start mowing them down. <laughs> you knew so, things were going to go bad, but you didn't think it was going to go that bad. Yeah, there's there's bad and then there's holy crap, that's bad. And I love the whole time the king just sitting there, well done, Yuffie, well, <laughs> you're like, dude, you're cold. 
But what's some other good things about this show? Mech designs, I believe you mentioned earlier. Great mech designs. Especially the, and I know season two gets a little out there, but the Lancelot was cool in season one. It just got kept getting better in season two. That was a sick, sick, mm, not mobile suit. What do they call them there? Nightmare frame. Nightmare frames. Thank you. Sick frame. There we go. Not suit. But that was a sick frame. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but the Anubis-style suit, Lelouch pilots in the end of season one. The Gawain. The Gawain. That is a sick, yeah. sick suit. Frame, pardon me. Thing. Robot. Giant robot. Either way, I'd love to have, you know, a decent model of that. As a side note, all the Code Geass model kits sucked. <laughs> yeah, I have three of them. They're not that impressive. And it's sort of surprising that when it became the big smash hit that they didn't kind of gear up and do something along the lines of Master Grades I was for Season 2. One. Yeah. I was always expecting, like, you know, they'd have to change the scale up a little because one one hundredth wouldn't do that. Well, much. it'd be about the same size and frame quality, but they'd just call it, you know, like the 164th or whatever. Yeah, whatever it would be, 172nd or something like that. But yeah... yeah. I was always expecting it, and we never got it. Maybe we'll see something when they release the OVA, but I doubt it. Yeah, so far they have the Robot Amishis announced for the third one, but nothing in model kit form. Right. Unfortunately. I always well, like the Tristan, the the transformable one that that Geno guy piloted. That was one of my favorite Nightmare films. I love transforming suits, you know, like Zeta Gundam and all of those. So seeing something transforms always great. The Chinese yeah, but... But Chinese Federation how will it use its roller skates? How does it use its roller skates? <laughs> yes, yeah, so mechs on roller skates, always fun. Roller blades, no less. But the Chinese Federation suits were also a little odd, but interesting. Uh, I forget the name of a mysterious cough-up blood disease man. Uh, the Shen Hu was his frame. Yeah, that was a weird but interesting frame. Which, by the way, why is that guy not dead yet? I was expecting him to die well before. Oh, he got better. He got better, yeah. Yeah, he got better. He started taking some of those Tic Tacs. Those pills that, you know, the guy in MS Igloo was taking. Apparently those help. Well, those those fix cough-up blood disease. Just so long as you keep popping them. Yeah, like constantly. Mysterious cough-up blood disease. Side effects include psychotic rage and insane. And well, details. Speaking of mech designs, I do not like the look of the Alexander. Like, at all. Oh, no. It doesn't even look like it belongs in that universe. Yeah. Like, it's for the upcoming OAV, if you didn't know, and it just looks weird. I haven't seen that yet, but I'll probably have to track it down now just because I would have to hear you say, what? Well, there's, like, two variants, and one almost looks like it belongs, and then the and then, like, the prototype is like, it has bunny ears. Why does it have bunny ears? And a face. Bunny ears. Okay, now I'm really... <laughs> I gotta see it just to see it for shock value. What's some other interesting people? Can I say that none of the, the fact that, you know, Lelouch's classmates stuck around for the whole damn series made no sense? Well, it's not even like... They managed to rewrite them so that they could stick around. It was just like, and now we're back at school still, right. for some reason. But they never made any sense why they kept them there. It's like, I understand, you know, he came from a school 
school's still, you know, centric to his life, especially when he loses his memory. But there's still some things that just don't make any sense near the end. Oh, what's the, uh, can I also say one of the most awkward incidents in anime in this show's history? Is, uh, what's her face with the eyeglasses? <laughs> Nina? Nina and the table. Yeah. Because <laughs> at first I didn't realize what I was seeing. I was like, what is going And then I replayed it like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was just wrong. Which scene is more shocking, Princess Yuffie or Nina and the table? Shocking, probably Yuffie. Weird, most definitely Nina. <laughs> Because for some reason, I couldn't figure out what the hell she was doing the first time around. It's like, what the hell is she? I don't, and I was like, I watched it on DVD. I rewound it. I'm like, what the hell is she? Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and she loved Yuffie so much, she then creates a friggin' nuke <laughs> in season two. How does a high school girl end up creating a weapon of mass destruction like that? And then she gets, you know, then she has a prince launching the damn thing for her. Well, her Again. last name was Einstein. Still. <laughs> <laughs> One of those weird... She didn't even graduate college, man. <laughs> Straight out of high school. Weapon of mass destruction. Creepy. And she really likes tables. I always liked Lloyd in the show. I always thought he brought a little voice of hilarity from time to time. Just He was just so off the wall he's a very interesting person to me I liked him for you know like you said he just needed he just needed some idiot to show up and just give you a laugh sometimes every show needs a little bit of comic relief and he provided it and I, I enjoyed the rivalry between him and Rakshada like Rakshada she always had the answer she was you know the answer when everything looked bleak. Oh, here's a new nightmare frame for you, or whatever. And now but back to my couch. Yeah, back, to, back to my couch and my. Bed. Why was there a couch on the bridge? Was it just there so she could have brilliant thoughts and save the day with new doodads? Um, is it just me, or does anyone else? Every time I saw her, I kind of thought of that uh, caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. Just couldn't help thinking. I was like. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> right. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to unsee that now. You know who we haven't mentioned yet? Colin. I'll say this. She was one of the more interesting characters, because you just never knew exactly what was she was thinking. She had her premise of, yeah, I'm a, I'm half Japanese, half Britannian. My brother died, you know, fighting the evil Britannians, but I'm going to, you know, pretend to be Britannian and fight the good fight. And you never quite get what she's trying to do. I'm not sure she knows what she's trying to do half the time. Because when Lelouch finally reveals himself to be Zero, she greatly considers just screwing everything and following him. She eventually doesn't, but she thinks about it. I always like how she had to pretend to be this weakling at school, even though she was, like... Cold-blooded killer pilot ace. I, I don't know why. Like, this is the most bizarre form of Clark Kenting ever. It's like, okay, I need to be sick, Lee, as a cover so I can 
join the rebellion and do re- rebellion things, but it's like, are people really going to catch on when you show up and are good at gym class? I'm not sure why everyone on this show had a secret identity. I, I really don't quite clue in. What purpose did Shirley serve, aside from getting killed? Like, Shirley was interesting, as a side character at least, but I never it was like they were both on the student council, and I'm like, this isn't really all that much more tense. I understand because... why, why they need to keep her around, because you needed someone to someone to die and give you know, Lelouch a reason to fight on and get angry and do some stuff. But they just dragged it out a little too long. And to have Rolo do it is one of the stupider things I've ever seen. Because Rolo, again, served no real purpose. <laughs> hey, big brother. <laughs> Shirley was like, she got the rawest deal in all of Mecha history. She, I mean, Lelouch erased her memories of his existence or her father got killed, then she got killed, and she never did anything. Like, she was completely innocent. Wrong place, wrong time, over and over again. Girl did not have any good luck. She really didn't. We haven't talked about Arthur yet, my favorite character in the show. Wait, the which one was the... Arthur? <laughs> the cat? Of oh, the cat. <laughs> again, what purpose did he serve? Like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, why did they keep going to school? Especially in season two. Yeah, the world is coming to an end. We gotta go to school. It's like, I am trying to stage a coup again, but first math class. <laughs> gotta take math class. Gotta show up everyone class, else in class. The only class that Lelouch really skipped was gym class. Because, man, could he not keep up with anyone else in that school. In the one scene, Millie runs past him. Well, he's a bright guy. No one ever accused him of being athletic. Although, he, somehow he still manages to jump around like crazy when he's in the zero outfit. Yeah, well, I'm not even sure he's that smart. Because, follow, follow me on this one. What's his one move? Like, he only has one move, and then it's like, tactical genius! It's like, oh, oh, you're worried. we're fighting, things are going bad for us. Oh, wait, nope, fuck with the terrain under you. Like, oh, oh, what, what's that? Having trouble? We're on the water? Oh, let, let's uh, have a bunch of air bubbles show up and sink everyone. Or, oh, oh, let's cause a landslide. Like, he even managed to do it midair. He ignited a volcano just to fuck with people. Apparently he's a geology major. He knows his geology, damn it. <laughs> Like, you'd think someone would clue in and not fight him on his terms for once. But they gotta catch him. That's why he's so good at the cat and mouse games. Like, oh, I'm about to do something evil. Oop, I'm about to do something crazy. Come and get me. Come and get me. I'm over here. Hello. They run and catch him, and they run right into his trap. <laughs> and the Black... I mean, not Black Knights. The Britannian, you know, Royal Air Force, or whatever they're called. Aside from a few aces, most of them are complete and utter retards. I mean, most you don't even get to see most of them because they get blown up, or they just go ah, and then they go blow up. But for the vast majority of them are idiots. Yeah, I'd buy it. They're they're pretty dumb. <laughs> like, and I love that the website tried to really hype up some of the the, the knights of the round, especially. And I'm like, only four of these guys mattered. <laughs> 
Like, there were two female ones that died within three minutes of finally appearing on screen, right? No, the knights, yeah. yeah. They finally showed up, you finally got to see who they were, and then, like, the one girl, her line was, Suzakukura, boom! She didn't even get to finish the line. Like, dude, you could at least let her finish her line before you blow her up. Come on, jeez. <laughs> I understand she's not that important of a character, but if you're going to ever show up, at least let her finish the line. It's Suzaku Kura Boom. No, I think his name is Kurugi, but whatever. Yeah. Well, one thing I actually think I just remembered was that I think Clamp insisted that Zero wear a mask, like have the weird mask, because it's like, wait, it's a Sunrise Mech show. You gotta, ma- you gotta have a masked guy. Yeah. They won't, they won't pass you if you don't have a masked guy. I know, I know this may be insulting, but that mask is better than Char's. It's a cool mask. It is a cool mask. I'd love to, they actually, i seen they actually made a one-to-one scale, zero mask you can buy and wear. It was like $400. Oh, yeah. Like, aw. <laughs> it even did the mechanical thing where you put it on, the back slid over your head. Like, that would be cool to have. Except I don't have $400 to blow on that. It's like, sure, we'll get a one-one cool mechanical zero mask. Can't give us a not-crap high grade from this show. Eh, well. And it's not even like... And they didn't even try. Like, we got the Lancelot, all the Lancelot variants and recolors, and the Gurren. That was it. also the Vincent and its recolors. Yeah, well, the Vincent is, is like, 60% Lancelot frame parts, so. There we go on that. Do you guys remember the, the opening and how it identically mirrored the opening for Gundam Sea Destiny? Yeah, what was up with that? I don't know. That was my introduction to the show, actually. I, there was a video on YouTube where it it had, like, a split screen of the two openings. And I thought it was hilarious. And at first I thought, man, this show's just a joke. Until I started watching it. And then you're just like, oh, it's still kind of a joke. <laughs> yeah, but it's better than Destiny, right? Oh, yeah. Although I gotta say, like, R2, there, there was that middle section of R2 where all they did was have aerial fights over the ocean, and I was like, man, this is Cosmic Era. Cosmic Era was not fun to watch. <clears throat> what? Uh, uh, do you need a do you need a tic-tac, Jeff? Need something. Perhaps a throat lozenge. Yes. Anywho, I'm not going to take the bait on that one. But can I say... What, what, whatever could you mean, Jeff? Well, I can say that both are similar. I would also like to say that both were extremely successful. Moving on. <laughs> Just saying, they both made a buttload of money. Even if one did have really crappy model kits and the other didn't. <laughs> Who's another interesting character? Princess Cornelia. Princess Cornelia. Cornelia was weird, I'm just going to say. She she kind of liked her little sister a little too much. I mean, when Yuffie died, she kind of went off the deep end. She came back. Near the end, she kind of, you know, came around and, you know, started organizing a decent resistance, but she was a little odd. Who is the, uh, oh, I forget the name, main prince he was fighting through most of season two? Schneisel. Schneisel. 
Good God, I love Schneisel. I loved he, he was a great villain. Oh, he was but. he was such an egotistical asshole, and I loved him for it. It's like, who do we get to fight? Uh, Lelouch. A well, bigger selfish a bigger douche. That's tough to pull off. But damn it, Schneisel did it. Well, what was that one where, where he was... Okay, the one time I actually thought uh, was like, bravo Lelouch, that was brilliantly executed, was like that one time he was invading that one research facility... And it's like, when do you plan to do this? Like, right now, and the walls fall away, and it's him outside. Like, he's faked the whole video conference. Right. I was like, well played, good sir. Well, I just love the chess match they play, because it was so reminiscent of that chess match he's playing against his younger brother in the very beginning of season one. You know, he's playing a chess match on you know the battlefield and whooping his bro's ass, I might add. Or the end, you know, Lelouch is almost getting schooled by him. Schneisel is, oof. Schneisel defines narcissism. If he could make out with himself, he would. He was such an awesome character that Lelouch knew that he could lead the, the world, and that's why he let him live. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep Schneisel around. Need to have someone to balance out the cuteness that is his little sister. Can I also point out one of my... Favorite characters who we forgot to mention. I don't even remember his name, but he's so damn funny. That poor bastard in the Black Knights who does nothing and keeps oh. coming up with oddball titles for Tomaki? himself. Tamaki. Tamaki, yeah. Who keeps I'm thinking the... he's important. Right. He keeps coming up with punk. titles for himself. He's like, I'm the new, you know, director of transportation. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. It's like I was just waiting for him for one day to go. Zero has appointed me the director of partying. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's hilarious is that uh, throughout the series, always uh, Lelouch always like gives unit designators designators based on like chess move chess pieces, right. and he's always like pawn number eight. Right. It's like sorry, buddy. It's like he's Rook's pawn, fucking useless pawn. <laughs> Dude, can I even be a rook? No. No, no you cannot. <laughs> Bishop? Hell no. Knight? Not on your life. Knight's pawn? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Your knight's pawn. <laughs> I don't... And I kind of find it weird that no one calls him on it. It's like, really? Really? We're pawns to you? Well, they, they, they realize he's cannon fodder. <laughs> it's like, hey, if he's on the battlefield, that's one less shot that's coming at me. <laughs> No, but yeah, even he then, lives. the whole damn time he lives. So apparently, there's something special about him. Well, he's he you can't kill of Code Geass. You can't kill off the complete loser. You just can't do it. Yeah, they tried in Double O, but Saji Crossroad wouldn't die. So, yeah, hey. Speaking of Patrick uh, Kosalar, he's awesome in the Super Robot Wars game season. His dodge stat is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to, you know, put enough points into him to be, accomplish anything else. <laughs> Dodge! There's your DBZ abridged reference for the episode. Yep. I'm proud of us. We haven't managed... Episode 30's been running, and none of us have quoted it yet. Give it time. Another character that I think gets underutilized, but I like him nonetheless, is Ogi. 
because he is the everyman of the series. He is, you know, Joe Schmo, and he ends up running the whole damn show when it's all said and done. Not bad for a gym teacher. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... And what was... Okay, speaking of him, what was up with his subplot with Valletta? Like, where was that coming from? I kind of enjoyed that. You know, he just found her, you know, near, near death, no memory, took care of her. Got her naked in bed, which was kind of odd. I was like, "Oh, you perv!" He's <laughs> like, I, "I, I had to wash your clothes." I'm like, you can't wait till she wakes up to do that. Well, then she'd be sitting around naked, and that's even more awkward. At least she had the blankets. Otherwise, just saying, like, "Oh, you perv!" And he's like, oh, "I didn't look." I'm like, "No, you probably had to, buddy." <laughs> I never liked Ogie. I liked him just for the simple fact that he is, you know, everyone else is super powered. Everyone else is, you know, over the top. Everyone else is, you know, got some kind of crazy aspect to him. Ogie's just Joe Schmo is caught up in the mess. He's, he's intelligent. He's not a genius. He's a competent fighter. He's far from, you know, an ace. He's just all around average Joe who seems to, you know, come out all right. And he seems to be, you know, the jack-of-all-trades, so he kind of gets put in second-in-command. He kind of runs the show, because Zero sure as hell doesn't do a whole lot. Well, someone needs to be the director of transportation. Transportation, yes. Well, Ogie's got a job to do, (laughs) and he does it all right. And in the end, he's the only one who gets hit, so good for him. And he gets to be the prime minister of Japan. Good times. Yeah, because that went great for the last Prime Minister of Japan. Stabbed by a punk kid. Right. His own son, no less. This... It's like... You do realize, you know, Valletta's pregnant, Ogie. Watch that kid. Watch him close. Never turn your back on that kid. As soon as he walks, just be careful. Did, Did either of you guys, like watch, like, the picture dramas or, like, the radio dramas that went with with, with this show? No, I didn't. Most of them were... I never watched them, no. Most of them were kind of one-off and goofy, but one thing that kept coming back was that they kept doing, like, flashbacks of young Lelouch and Suzaku, and they really just hammer you over the head with that. If you team them up, they're unstoppable, and they're the best friends ever. Yay! I'm like, you know, we kind of got that in the show. Now you're just beating the horse a little bit. It's super fun time with the Lush and Suzaku. They stole super a car. <laughs> we stole a car. We're bad to the bone. But now, the, the thing that I never quite got with those two is when they get, you know, kind of exiled and they're just wandering off. They're wandering on this dirt road and they're wearing rags and, they're, you know, carrying their, carrying the little girl over their shoulders and just walking along is like, like somehow they've been transported back to feudal Japan. <laughs> it's like there's no friggin' roads anymore. Everything's a dirt track. They're staying in these little shrines. The only thing I didn't see was the wooden sandals, and damn it, that would have been perfect on there. They're staying in the shrine for God's sake. It's raining just like in every feudal Japan movie. It's like really. It's like there isn't a friggin' hotel anywhere in Japan they can stay. No orphanages. Nothing. Refugee shelters, come on. Yet somehow, when it's all said and done, they end up in this, you know, high-class private school. Everything, you know, they're living in the lap of luxury. That is the nicest damn school I've ever seen in my life. 
and they live in the you know the student council clubhouse, which is a friggin' mansion. Like, do, do these guys have some sort of bizarre like rowing rivalry with the ki- with the guys from Oran Host Club? <laughs> like, do their rowing teams get into fights? <laughs> do Do they have a long-standing polo match rivalry? Come on. What other stupid rich guy sports are there that I can mention? And other Golf. things that get really weird is, you know, they... Croquet. Croquet, Croquet. yes. Croquet and... What's another good point where that happens? When Lelouch wants to hold the world peace on Where does he choose? The damn school again! Like, Why? Apparently the UN was booked. The UN... Was the UN booked? Couldn't get a hotel conference room... Like you know, do realize you know you own all of the U.S. You you could Los Angeles is probably still there. It's probably not named Los Angeles, but you know, there's a nice city over there. Probably got some nice hotels. But no, no. even if you want to hold it in Japan, I'm sure Japan has got some nice hotels, some nice conference rooms. Back to that same damn school. Well, they had all that pizza that they could use to feed them with. Oh, the pizza! Oh God! Like I'm sort of surprised that they didn't, like they didn't. Did Pizza Hut pay more to be an exclusive sponsor? Or did they just not manage to convince anyone else to sponsor the show? No idea. I'll say, though, it did make me laugh, though, when Cece dressed up in a school uniform because she wanted some of the, you know, world's biggest pizza. Or later when she gets stuck in the giant tomato vat. When she wants that pizza and the nightmare frame throws it into the tree, she is devastated. She's absolutely like, crushed. Like, until this point, we have never seen her emote. But <laughs> yeah. the dough hits the tree, and she's like, no! It's like, and there's the moment where it's like, it's just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. No. <laughs> no. Unless you like leaves as part of your topping, it's not good anymore. Like, pine nuts make for a great pesto sauce, but <laughs> pine needles, not so much. Like, you crust them with Parmesan, and they're delicious. Now, another great line from this series, when Colin realizes after the fact, the beginning of season two, wait a minute, why did I have to wear the bunny costume? Why couldn't you do it, Cece? She's like, I was busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of characters, the ninja maid... Oh, yeah. Again, a character that made no sense, but it was fun to have around. Why do we need a ninja maid? Cause. <laughs> I like. And of, cor- and of course, she can you know jump in that big old huge maid out- outfit, and just like everybody else in the series, jump over a small building in a single bound. And the the dress never gets ruffled. It's always in perfect shape. She lands perfectly and is always nice and cute and cuddly. Like, at some point, wouldn't you take off the giant dress to fight? But no, she's good. I like when she poses as Lelouch, and his character changes. He becomes, like, this womanizer. (laughs) And, of course, as him, um, Sayako possesses all of her physical prowess. So, again, that goes counter to what Lelouch's type is. Lelouch suddenly gets good at sports, and he starts being a player. Yeah. Apparently, that's what, you know, she thinks Lelouch is. Well, if he's popular at school, he must be a player and be good at sports. 
and when Lelouch finally does go back to school, he's very confused. He's like, why is everyone, you know, shocked I suck at this all of a sudden? And he goes back to her, he's like, what have you been doing, by the way? Because <laughs> my life has very, got very confusing lately. <laughs> I've got all sorts of girls asking why they, I haven't called, and I don't remember even talking to them. <laughs> okay, so what do you guys think of the dub? The dub, I enjoyed. Uh, Johnny Youngbosch, I enjoyed his work. Like I said, he, he did a little bit of a hamming up job, which I enjoyed, but I think you mentioned that the Japanese voice actor hammed it up a whole lot more than jo- than Johnny did, but I still think it did all right because there's a lot of stuff that he had to do, which, in you know, the context of him standing in a voice acting booth must have sounded really friggin' weird. Well, they they definitely there there needs to be more DVDs with picture in picture of the booth yeah. just to see what these guys are doing. That and the outtakes, because there are some great great outtakes. That we never get to hear. Well, I know EDV at their panels will roll outtakes from whatever their big show is. So if you ever get a chance to look up um, Steve Blum's outtakes from Gurren Lagann, they're genius. There's some very great. Uh, there's some very great outtakes from Crispin Freeman in the Haruhi series. My personal favorite is where he goes uh, when Haruhi when he's sitting on the steps and young Haruhi asks him. And then when he's going back in time, what's your name anyway? And he goes, Crispin Freeman. <laughs> he goes, hey, he's telling the truth. Yeah. All right, but other people on the dub, I think this the dub was very solid. I'm not a big Johnny B- Young Bosch person. I think he comes across as very flat in most of his stuff. Go, go, and, Power Rangers. Oh, God. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't even start me on Power Rangers. Stupid show. <laughs> But I think, like, I'd Yuri Lowenthal is okay in this. Like, I'm, he's, I like him more than Johnny and Bosch, but not by much. And I think that's just because they're in freaking everything. Put these guys on a boat for a few years. Let Troy Baker get some work. <laughs> oh, come on. Let the guys eat. They can eat something else. Perhaps a bacon sundae. But anyway. Jared? Oh, uh, dub actors. Um, you guys mentioned about uh, Jeremiah before. I I liked the. I forget who did his voice, but I thought he was good. I thought that he did a good job of playing it honestly. He didn't. He didn't give in to maybe playing it as a more wacky character, even though uh, as it is Jeff a wacky character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though he is. That was and our he, boy Crispin Freeman again. Oh, okay. So I, I thought he did really good because he didn't give in to, to doing that and playing it over the top wacky, despite the circumstances he found his character in. And of course, you've got the major voicing Cornelia, which is always awesome. Yes, yeah, the major. I kind of feel sorry for her because now anything she's in, she's the major. I'm okay with her being the major. I mean, she's not even Matoko Kusanagi. She's the major. That's who she is. Although if you walked up and called her Matoko, it's like, the name is the major. Like, yes, ma'am. The respect she gets at anime conventions, I swear. But anywho. But yes, anime dub. Because there was a lot of characters in this thing. I mean, a ton of characters. And keeping track of all of them is very complicated. And they could have, you know, they could have, you know, tapped out and just used a couple of 
people over and over again, especially for some of the bit parts. You know, they just could have said, hey, change your voice with a British accent a little and do it again. But no, they got voice actors for just about everyone, and they did a real good job with this dub. Yeah, and it, I think it was a good pick for Adult Swim when they ran it, even if it was at, like, 2 in the morning. Yes, people wonder, wonder why anime does so bad on Adult Swim. It's like you're airing it close to midnight. But anyway, I digress. All right, so final thoughts, guys? Final thoughts. This is a great gateway drug for mecha anime and truly anime in general. You got someone you want to get into mecha anime or just anime in general. This ain't a bad starting place. It is a little over the top at times. It is a little, takes itself a little too seriously for the goofy stuff it's doing, but it's a fun show nonetheless. It's a, it's a great mix of all different types of elements. You have a lot of the, over, like you said, over the top humor at the school you have a lot of action that's animated very well. You have a lot of tension between the characters, um, although some of the characters do kind of get swept under the rug after the second season. But um, I think... Oh, like that... any of us actually cared what Rivals was up to. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Again, what point did he serve? Other than to, you know, chase Millie around everywhere she went. He drove the bike. Yeah, he, he was true. Lucia's butt boy until... <laughs> um, Tamaki was around to do it. Boy. Yeah. That's what minion actually means. Just so you know. Just, okay. Remember that at home, folks. Your final thoughts, Scott? Like, it's really good at hitting a lot of broad audience, like a lot of broad audiences, without being transparently trying to hit a bunch of broad audiences, like some of the mid-90s Gundam shows did, and still being a very good show at the same time. It's more than just Death Note with robots. But if you liked Death Note, give this a look. Anyone last thing to say before we go? I have two things to say. First, because we were required to say it at some point, Daddy, I don't want to be on Namek anymore. Second, Mobile Suit Gundam Seed Destiny was a really good show. Try and edit your way out of that one. You know, I do have tons of audio. I could have just, you know, said pile of... It'll be like, Gundam Seed Destiny was a pile of fuck. You could take out the really good part, and it could just be Gundam Seed Destiny was a show. <laughs> that would be true. Completely factual statement. Seed Destiny is good. Seed Destiny is good. Seed Destiny is good. I'm going to say it real fast, because you don't want to edit anything like this. If I'm talking real fast, Seed Destiny is a good show. Okay, then. Till next time, when we'll either be talking Ava or Martian successor Nadesco. I'm not sure which. Hashtag defend. Hashtag your mom. Good meowing. Welcome back to high school, folks. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I thought they smelled bad on the outside is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License version 3.0 International. Check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com for contact information. <laughs>